This is The Wesley Way, by me, Indira Stewart. Chapter 1, First Day. It's late January 1999 at Aotearoa's oldest registered school just south of Auckland. Hundreds of nervous and excited students are piling onto the school grounds for their first day at Wesley College. The smell of clean uniforms and cheap deodorant quickly fills the air of the historic Red Brick Chapel. It's the Wesley College annual service of beginnings where new students are formally welcomed. Most are boys, there are just a handful of girls, and the majority of students are Pacific or Māori. 13-year-old Sekope Kepu's school uniform is drenched in Lynx Africa spray, his thick tongue and hair slicked back with dollops of Vaseline. He has a five on top, zero fades on the sides, his favourite haircut. He's anxious, proud, but excited to be entering the Wesley Brotherhood. He didn't know it would be a brotherhood clouded in abuse and secrets. Sekope couldn't wait to start. His family have arrived in their white Toyota Hi-Ace van, bursting into the school parking lot with noise and laughter. There's a convoy of families. Four other boys Sekope grew up with are also starting at Wesley College, a little slice of the Tongan village from GI, Auckland's eastern Gleniness suburb, arriving in Pairata to celebrate their sons. Get a little bit embarrassed because mum and dad are, you know, following everyone <laughs> coming in, and yeah, with with free blankets, but you only need the one. I try to hurry it up a little bit, sort of. Um, told them there's not many other parents in there, but yeah, mums always <laughs> want to make sure that their boys are okay. Sekope is now 37 years old, but he tells me he still clearly remembers that first day at Wesley College, including the uniform he was proud to wear. So you're in your your number one, so it's your full tupenu, um, and, and obviously tawala was optional. Your blazer, your shirt tie, and your black tupenu, or long black pants, yeah. The tupenu he mentions is a wraparound skirt traditionally worn by Pacific men. The ta'ovala is part of formal Tongan attire, a fine-woven mat wrapped around the waist, a Pacific twist to the uniform the school encouraged. Small details are still memories he treasures. Yeah, it was Dex. I think there was Dex back then. If you had had the money and, and Vaseline, which was petroleum, we didn't have much else. Vaseline, fresh new uniforms, topped with links. That was the spray that everyone had, mostly links Africa. It's kind of a smell that when I, when I smell it now, it kind of gives me mixed emotions. Twenty years on, just the faintest whiff of the deodorant he used to spray all over his number ones triggers both pride and pain. And that's the big loose head prop Kepu driving up to within 10 metres of the line. Away for Kepu. Today, Sekope is an internationally acclaimed rugby star, a former Australia Wallabies prop and current captain of the Moana Pacifica Super Rugby team. He's just one of the rugby greats Wesley College has produced. 
The almost 180-year-old school had a strong reputation among Pacific people, even before former student and rugby legend the late Jonah Lommel put it on the map in the 90s. Over the past century, it's educated 13 All Blacks, the first Solomon Islands Prime Minister, two Tongan Prime Ministers, a Tongan King, George the Bull II, and one of Samoa's heads of state, Malietoa Tanumafili II. That first day at Wesley College, Sekope was ready to be a part of its Pacific legacy and be welcomed into the Wesley Way. Chapter 2, Code of Silence 24 years later, Sekope remains staunchly loyal to the Wesley College Brotherhood, but now he's breaking a code so of silence. I sincerely declare and affirm that the evidence that you give today will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I do. Thank you very much. And I'll just leave. Wesley College is part of an ongoing Royal Commission of Inquiry into the abuse of children and young people in state and faith-based care across Aotearoa. When Sekope first met with One News to share his story, he was dressed in attire just like his number ones clean shirt, dupenu and taovala around his waist. He's had years of media experience as a sports star, but this was something different. How are you feeling today? Pretty nervous. Um, my dad said last night, you know, um, if you're doing the right thing, then there's no need to be nervous and just be yourself. Sekope is a community representative in the inquiry and its investigation into Wesley College. But he's more than just a community voice. He's also a survivor. I didn't realise how massive it was. And, you know, hearing our survivors, you know, it, uh, I, I read the statements from the survivors. To actually hear and see what they were going through and um, the hurt, the trauma, the, you know, the experiences. Are, it's just sad that it, it happened to them and, and, and myself included. Allegations heard at a public hearing for the Methodist College in October last year detailed horrific abuse ranging from the 1960s up to as recent as 2022. The stories predominantly describe physical, psychological and emotional abuse, with some incidences of sexual harassment and sexual abuse. The school says the abuse involved mostly senior students against junior students. It accepts some staff abused students too. The culture of violence has been called the Wesley Way by students for decades, but is now being challenged by survivors as a horrifying tradition. When one of the inquiry's commissioners asked him last year about his own experience at the school, Sekope shared this story. Um, if I'm being honest and brutally honest about my, my, my first year at Wesley College, um, it was, it was gruelling at times. And to put it in perspective... Everyone would go to bed at night, 8.30 lights out. Um, a chip pack would, would rattle or someone would whisper. 
and the, the dorm prefect at the time would call out my name. Sekope, get to the middle. Sekope's punishment meant he had to stay awake through the night while everyone else slept. If he didn't, he knew the consequences could include serious physical punishment. But then it happened night after night. The night watchman would come in and he would then ask me, what are you doing? What, what, what are you doing now that you're in the middle? You're here parading by yourself. And I couldn't say anything. Sundays was the biggest dread for me coming back. Like many survivors, Sekope says staff not only turned a blind eye to the abuse, they encouraged it, something the school accepts. Did anybody stand up for you, Sekope? I don't believe so. Um, I do feel the pain to some certain extent. And um, I just don't want that to happen to anybody. Even years after a successful rugby career, he says the memories still affect him as an adult today. It's difficult for him to share the more painful details of the abuse and bullying he experienced. Some memories he only shares off camera. He says becoming a father made him see his past differently. I've got young ones now and to see my, my three boys especially and their vulnerabilities and seeing the, the, the fear that they have in their faces sometimes. And, you know, I, I never want to see them if, you know, ever go through what I experienced. My parents didn't really know about this whole ordeal that I was going through at Wesley, so... Until you recently spoke? Recently, yeah. Wow. Until the Royal Commission came about. It wasn't until a phone call the night before that I actually spoke to my mum about it. It was the first time his mum had ever heard her son's story. She was uh, livid, as I mentioned, in the, in the Royal Commission. Um, just upset and disappointed that um, she didn't know at the time. And she said that had she known, she would have um, addressed it. And, and possibly pulled me out. So it's sad that it took, you know, almost 20 years for me to actually, you know, talk to her about that. Many students like Sekope say violence was a part of school life, something the school has also admitted. That was all we knew. You'd walk past it, you'd see it every now and then, and you'd sort of just look the other way and it wasn't happening to you. So you'd stay on that straight and narrow and you'd do what's, you know, what... Yeah, it was, it was normalised. Loyalty to the school continues to silence many of its past students. But Sikope tells me loyalty shouldn't trump doing the right thing. And if that means um, I disappoint a few people, I, I hold friendships with a lot of old students and I respect them and I give them my respect. And all I ask is for their respect for what I'm doing. And I'm, asked, and I'm only doing what, what I feel is right. Survivors who've tried to speak up both before and during the inquiry have been criticised on social media by some former students for breaking the no-narking, no-snitching rule. Sikope says that for many old boys like himself, acknowledging the seriousness of the abuse they witnessed or experienced conflicted with the pride and loyalty they felt towards the school. You know, I've, I've mentioned about, you know, the community feel, the brotherhood of sharing, you know, the things that gave me, you know, to be humble, to share, you know, 
there was chapel every morning. You'd say, you'd sing your lungs out. You know, I I learned so many different hakas. I performed in some of the best Tong groups going around, and that kept me very uh, grounded. It kept me very um, in touch with our culture, with our Tongan culture, so to speak. And so, those are the things that we want to hold on to. Those values are the great things that we need that we need to keep keep going. But despite his loyalty to the school, Sekope says he would not enrol his own children at the college. I'm I'm very loyal to the school, and uh, you know I I I've said it before. We, I love the school so much, and so do the students that that, that attended Wesley. But I do not condone any of that. You know the 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 abuse the the military style, you know, the brutal beatings. It's a challenge he put to the inquiry and the school's alumni. The, the evidence is there. Our, our, our survivors are here. And we, we need to stand together. Chapter 3, The Inquiry. More than 3,500 survivors from across state or faith-based care in Aotearoa have come forward to share their stories with the Royal Commission of Inquiry since it was first announced in 2018. Some of the hearings have been public, others private, but all paint a harrowing picture of one of the darkest and most shameful parts of New Zealand's history. Four commissioners are investigating survivors' stories from across Aotearoa between 1950 to 1999, and they've got a special focus on Māori, Pacific people and those living with disabilities because of their disproportionately high numbers in care. Allegations of abuse specifically at Wesley College ranged from the early 60s up to as recently as last year. So commissioners gave special permission to consider the recent testimonies, despite the dates falling outside of the inquiry's initial scope. There was a number of uh, responses from the community. That's lead counsel Tanya Sharkey. Her role is dedicated to the inquiry's Pacific investigation. She read a summary of survivors' testimonies. We've censored their initials to further protect their identities. He says that he would witness abuse not only happening to him but to younger boys. Um, another survivor also confirms that there were a few, there was a lot of bullying and gang bashings. There was so much physical violence, sexual and mental abuse at the school that he and other students witnessed every day. Mr. talks about the parades that were for the new kids but there were fourth formers who were singled out for beatings. Mr also says that there are so many of us and he thinks there are hundreds of ex-students who went through the same thing. Mr says juniors were assaulted daily. He witnessed other juniors having their fingers broken from these assaults. The failings, the faults and serious harm were all laid bare before commissioners, survivors and the public. 
At least a dozen survivors from Wesley College, New Zealand's only Methodist school, have registered with the inquiry. The school and the Methodist Church of New Zealand confirmed dozens more survivors have reported directly to them. The school also admitted at the hearing it's likely there are hundreds more victims. In an apology on behalf of Wesley College and the New Zealand Methodist Church, lawyer Maria Jew Casey gave a frank acknowledgement. The college does not shy away from the difficult reality of the survivor's evidence to the commission. The college boards acknowledge that the physical, sexual, emotional and psychological abuse inflicted on some students in the care of the boards has had significant consequences for those students, their whānau and communities. There are problems today. You have a witness statement from somebody from 2022. So this is an ongoing challenge for the college and the church. One News can confirm two more students at the school have come forward to its staff with allegations of serious physical violence at Wesley College within the past 12 months. We've also heard from a parent who removed their child from the school last year, they say due to bullying and physical violence. At the start of 2022, 380 students were enrolled at Wesley College. The school has confirmed that approximately 10 students left last year after experiencing bullying, violence or abuse. Of the 10 students who left, 9 of them were Year 9 students and 1 was in Year 10. The school says that number is definitely higher than most years and there may be others who left for the same reasons but who didn't disclose to the school. Chapter 4, History of Abuse On the day of the public hearing, Sekope sat nervously chewing at the left corner of his bottom lip as he leaned into the microphone to introduce himself to the room. Maloile, everyone. My name is Sekope Kepo. I'm, I'm Tongan. I was raised in New Zealand. My father comes from Niwa, a small outer island in Tonga, and my mother comes from Leimatoavavau. I live here in Auckland with my wife and four kids. Um, I am 1.88 centimetres tall. <laughs> I, uh, the quiet laughter at Sikope's specific measurements slices through the cold, thick silence of the room. 37-year-old Sikope, with his solid rugby build, is the most capped prop to ever play for the Wallabies and one of the most capped rugby players in history. He's been described by rugby commentators as one of the finest props to ever represent Australia and a formidable force on the field. But when he opens his mouth to speak at the hearing, there is a soft eloquence which instantly warms the room. His stature demands reverence, but it's Sekope's character that has earned him the respect of the sporting community, the Pacific community and in particular the Wesley College alumni. Before the public hearing, he spent months reading through pages of reports, school documents and testimonies of former Wesley College student survivors. Trauma on trauma on trauma. His voice holds great weight for both the school and survivors. Wearing a white shirt, dukpeno and the ovala wrapped around his waist, he addressed survivors directly. I'm an old boy at Wesley College. I attended Wesley College from 1999 to 2004. Today, I just want to acknowledge the experiences of our survivors. My heart goes out to you guys. 
and to you all, wherever you are. For those who started, who shared this experience, I acknowledge your courage for coming forward. I'm here today to fully support you. This is a story that's been brewing for decades. Our One News archivists have collected newspaper clippings reporting allegations of abuse at Wesley College dating back to the early 1990s. When One News began delving into the story, we asked our newsroom's research team lead, Rebecca Finlay, if she could help us. Well, you came to talk to me looking for Wesley College information. So I, I went straight to the school's section, and there um, is a Wesley College envelope in there. And then also... Um, Rebecca has access to the TVNZ archives room, known as The Bunker. Inside it are tens of thousands of brown envelopes storing categorised newspaper clippings. Bullying, B for bullying, V for violence. It's, um, the articles Rebecca found in the One News archives report abuse and sexual harassment, an unsafe environment for students and staff, the need to address verbal and physical violence at the school. Right, OK, so this one goes back to 91, 1991... Uh, injuries to a 13-year-old boy of Wesley College. Uh, strict terms for bail, two students who allegedly bashed a fellow student, leaving him with serious injuries. Students sexually abused. These are some of the headlines I'm reading out that you found. Student referred for brain scan after host hostile bashing. Wow. The student who needed a brain scan after being bashed inside the hostel was 14 years old when he was assaulted. To protect his identity, we've named him Paul in this story. A current affairs report about what happened to him was played to commissioners at the public hearing. Paul ended up on life support and was hospitalised for two weeks after being beaten by four senior students. One of those senior students was convicted for the assault and sentenced to 18 months supervision. That same student went on to play professional rugby league while Paul would never be able to attend school again due to the traumatic nature of his injuries. Paul's experience has distressing similarities to another survivor, William Wilson. William was 43 years old by the time he got to share his story with the inquiry and the public at an earlier hearing in 2021. Take your time. You're happy to continue reading out your statement. Do you need a break? I am good, thank you, Shaki. No worries. Just a little bit emotional. No, I completely understand. Just take your time, have a drink of Cracked water. ribs, broken fingers, constant bruises and blood noses. William told commissioners. My school medical records show that in a space of a year, 1991, I was frequently admitted for medical attention. The beatings William received during his two years at Wesley College caused him severe hearing loss. A report made by an ear, nose and throat specialist dated 16th of December 1991 was provided to the inquiry. William read the medical report to commissioners. The whole thing is so unreal as to be almost unbelievable. I cannot imagine that his hearing has been getting worse like this and that so far he has not required any assistance with his hearing. As with inferior hearing this bad, he should be totally unable to cope with everyday life 
without hearing aids. William says he never received assistance, something the school accepts. The worst of his injuries were caused by an island respect hiding, the most severe and rare punishment dished out by prefects. William was 13 years old and beaten by multiple prefects over two hours. When it was over, he was unable to walk and had to be carried by other students. I almost died. It needs to be known, I almost died. The prefect would order a student from each side to beat you until you fall down. And, you have to stay and because of his injuries, William was off school for two months. William was later diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder and bipolar disorder, which he believes resulted from the abuse he suffered at Wesley College. The long-term impacts of the abuse means that many survivors, like William, are still haunted by the Wesley way. I feel like I never had a chance to be a child and that I lost my youth, I lost my future. After William gave his testimony to the inquiry, Wesley College issued a letter to the school community condemning its history of abuse, its tradition of the Wesley way and promised the school would do better. Former Principal Reverend Ian Faulkner appeared on behalf of the school at the public hearing and stated... My response would be that if somebody deemed to be a survivor has written something, it happened. Sekope says it's testimonies like Williams that have empowered him to speak up. My peace comes from speaking up about it and bringing awareness and staying true to my values. Um, acknowledging that I relate to these survivors, I stand with them. I experienced the same thing, uh, maybe not to the extent that they did, and, and I, I, my heart goes out to him. General Secretary Chris Johnston, who's worked at the school for almost 30 years, accepted survivors' evidence to the inquiry. There are survivors who are still suffering or have difficulties in their lives as a result of what has happened. For survivors and their whanau, we appreciate that our acknowledgement of this abuse and our apology comes many decades too late. The findings from the Royal Commission of Inquiry will be submitted to the Governor-General in June 2023. In an effort to right the wrongs of the past, the school and New Zealand Methodist Church has a new process of assessing the case of each survivor who comes forward and giving financial compensation and support. Wesley College says a code of silence no longer exists at the school today. Chapter 5. New Revelations While working on the story, One News received a tip-off about claims of serious concerns that were found at Wesley College's boarding hostels just weeks after the Royal Commission's public hearing in October last year. We were told the Education Review Office, or ERO, and the Ministry of Education found Year 13 students were sleeping in the same hostel as Year 9 students, with no appropriate overnight supervision in place in any of the school's hostels. We also understand ERO found no access to drinking water in the hostels, no desks for studying, and no phone line to call a staff member for assistance. Aero's role is to research and evaluate the performance of schools and report to the education sector. It hasn't published a review on Wesley College in eight years. That's despite its own website stating it reviewed schools on average every three years 
and more frequently with their concerns and safety risks to students. We were also told in the tip-off we received that after a detailed inspection of the school's hostels, the Ministry briefly revoked its hostel licence in December last year. In a statement, Aero told us... We can confirm that we are aware of the concerns you have raised and that the hostel management, the Trust Board, has been working with the Ministry to rectify any potential breaches of the Education's Hostels Regulations of 2005. The Ministry of Education confirmed it had completed a detailed on-site inspection in November last year. It also said... As a result, we requested the hostel to address a number of concerns including potential breaches of the Education Hostels Regulations of 2005. We undertook a follow-up licence re-inspection on the 24th of January this year and were satisfied that the College met the hostel licensing regulatory requirements to operate five out of the six hostels in their boarding facilities. The Ministry says the school now has appropriate supervision in place in its hostels. With dozens of survivors coming out with allegations, why was there no proper overnight supervision? Well, there was was overnight supervision. We had security guards, we've got on-site staff, lots of security cameras. That's acting principal Chris Wood. So at the time, um, we were compliant in terms of, um, of hostels. Um, but like well, I say, well the Ministry of Education did not believe it was appropriate. What, what does that look like? Do staff live uh, on the grounds? Are they sleeping within the dorms? Or how, how far are we talking? How far is security from the hostels? Well, yeah, cool. so that was uh, towards the end of last year. So towards the end of last, last year, Aero had been working with us on modifying our you know, processes and protocols. And now we have uh, overnight staff who are actually in the dormitory now, uh, roaming, wandering, making sure the students are... You know, in bed, um, lights are off, etc., um, and getting that kind of home feel. Um, so, so they know that we're you know we're really caring for them. And they sleep in the dorms, and the hostels. The overnight staff are active. Okay, oh, so, so they're so they're the, awake. Yeah, yeah, they're awake, checking oh. cameras or walking around. Yeah. Okay, and great that you have that in place now. Mm. But prior to those changes, how long had that situation been in place with no overnight supervision in the hostels? Well, there was overnight supervision um, we, in terms of uh, we have um, security, security staff um, walking around outside, um, on-site staff not too far away, and an on-call when, system. When you say and, not and too security. far away, how far away is that? Oh, is it? like within you know, 50 metres. Yeah. 50 metres? Yeah. So yeah. on the school grounds? Yeah, on the, yeah we've got on, the, on, on. But now we have actually staff actually inside the hostel. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Because... Uh, obviously, that's concerning if there's an abu- uh, incident of abuse taking place. 50 metres is a far way to travel in the dark when you don't have access mm. to someone immediately to help you as, mm. as a yeah, victim, Yeah, and, that, and that's why we've been working with Aero on... We've made these current changes to, to really you know, make sure our students feel 100% cared all the time. Given the history of abuse uh, that has been known for decades of the school, how was that acceptable in the first place? Um, I don't think it was. Um, if, if I was a parent, I'd, I'd want, you know, I'd be, um, I wouldn't be happy if, you know, my son or daughter was unsupervised overnight. And right. I think these current changes, so 
are really, really important. Right, so as a parent you wouldn't accept that. You were deputy principal here mm. when Aero did come to visit. Did you raise concerns about that? Well, um, I, I didn't raise concerns at the time, but... Why not? Um, well, because you know, we, we'd passed all hostel inspections at the time. We were, uh, as far as we were concerned, um, our processes were, were you know, adequate for, for a hostel. And did you have Year 13 students sleeping in the same dorm as Year 9 students? No. Because that's what we're told that Ministry of Education and Aero have found, senior students sleeping in the same hostels as Year 9s, as junior students? Oh, we had temporarily whilst we were renovating the, the, year, level, the, the, the year 13 hostel. So when was but that? Then, not, not now. Okay. It was temporarily uh, last year sometime, yeah. Okay, for how long? Uh, approximately a couple of months. So given the allegations of abuse that have predominantly by the school's admission been senior students on junior students and some of those instances of abuse include sexual abuse allegations as well, do you think it was acceptable to have unsupervised senior students sleeping in the same dorm as junior, junior students at night? Um, I think that that was absolutely fine at the time. The our Year 13 students are you know, amazing bunch of students, they're great leaders and you know, that was carefully planned and um, like I say, it was only temporary. Do you accept that that might be a hard pill to swallow for some survivors to hear you say that? Given the current state of uh, the culture in the school, no. In the past, I can, I can see how survivors would, have, would, would react to that. Um, but given the current state of our, the, 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 the culture in the school at the moment, how really positive it is, um, if, yeah, it, it's absolutely, it would be fine. Sekope says he remembers there being no access to drinking water inside the hostels when he was a student. Wood says students can access water inside the hostels in the kitchen and lounge areas and that all hostels are now furnished with desks. He said there'd always been a working phone inside the hostels that students could use to contact a staff member for help. Uh, did Ministry of Education revoke the school's hostel licence when it came for its detailed inspection in November last year? Yes, it did, yeah. yeah. And what was the school's reaction to that? What did they think? Oh, we had, well, we, we wanted to stay open. Yes. Why wouldn't we? Um, so we what? made a little action plan and, and we met their, the things that they wanted us to improve on. The school says its sixth hostel remains shut for renovations. Aero says it will return in Term 1 to review the school's provision for the health, safety and well-being of its borders. Aero says COVID had significantly disrupted its review programme, but it was satisfied that the school was in a good position to support students when it last visited in 2015. Aero says it's been working with the school since March 2022 and will have a special review report available by the end of May. The parent who told us they removed their child from Wesley College after severe bullying and physical violence last year says people keep saying the violence happened in the 90s. But what about now? That parent says it's happening now. But Wood is adamant it's on the decline. Is it true that at least two more current students have come forward with allegations of abuse? We've had, yeah, a couple of instances. Yeah, So it's, it, it hasn't been... Last year there was a couple of instances. This year there hasn't been any at all. But like I say, it was two instances. So 
like I say, you know, it, it's, it's on the decline, and hopefully this year, touch wood, there'll be nothing at all. That's the hope. Um, obviously, we can't control everything. Uh, we can't be everywhere. Um, and we can't control, you know, if students are influenced by others to, to uphold these old ways. Um, you know, but we, we'll continue to make this place, you know, positive as possible. He tells me the school is making really strong inroads as they change the traditions of the Wesley Way. Sikope says he's saddened to hear reports of continued bullying and violence. He explains some Pacific cultural norms enabled decades of abuse at the school to go unchallenged for years. With, with our Tongan people, um, and speaking from my experience and in, in, in my parents, Tongan male growing up in New Zealand, my parents just simply um, would drop us off at the, at the gates and the positions of title hold power and authority. And like you said, their trust was put in the, the staff and all the teachers. And again, speaking from my parents' experience, spoke very little English and feel that they're not, um, they can't question that, that authority because they're more boto. That's their field, you know. They're more knowledgeable, you know, they, 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 it's all put on the teachers. Sekope says the school has a duty of care to both its students and parents and shouldn't take advantage of the high level of trust parents have placed in it. I think it's only fair that uh, they respect that trust and honour it and, 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 and care for us uh, and, the, and the children you know, that, that are in their care. And moving forward, it's about educating our parents and with this day and age that it's OK to... To, to question authority, to question and, and raise awareness or raise questions with the, with, the, with the staff and the teachers. Chapter 6, Lifting the Dark Cloud. It's February 2023, and Wesley College's annual service of beginnings is about to start. It's the very same service which welcomed 13-year-old Sekope on his first day more than 20 years ago. Dozens of family vans are piling into the Wesley College parking lot. Those who couldn't get a park have squeezed onto the school lawns. So much is similar to what Sekope described from his first day, apart from a newly erected Wesley College sign at the gates. Students are wearing their number ones, some with ta'ovala around their waist too. It's something Sekope says he's still proud to see. And the school's Pacific community is still strong. 75% of its students identify as Pacific and 22% Māori. There are cheers from students as the 2023 prefects are announced. New staff members are introduced, additional learning support teachers and new dorm parents. Some of the first noticeable signs of the school's commitment to changes recommended by the inquiry. Anti-bullying posters are plastered around the school that read, bullying is not the Wesley way. Sekope is front and centre of the campaign and his Moana Pacifica rugby gears. You know, if I was to put in black and white, it's, it's, there's no place for it, you know, for the abuse. You know, and, and 
for me, it's it's wanting the best thing for the school, and it's wanting the school to actually acknowledge it and make those changes because, you know, we want that school to still operate, but within our systems and and address it. And 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 what it, when it does happen, there's processes in place to stomp it out. Our poor Fiti formally welcomes in the new students. Staff and pupils stand to sing the traditional school song. There is more singing, there are chants, and there are chilling haka. I notice towards the end of the service there's no order or structure to it. When one student spontaneously begins, the rest follow, and on it goes until a teacher hushes the room. The atmosphere is as magical and joyous as Sikope described his first day to be. Acting Principal Chris Wood has printed out a copy of the 12 principles of John Wesley, who the college and Methodist church is named after. They include giving the best possible education and promoting equality and tolerance. Wood says they are values that represent the true meaning of the Wesley way. Well, we're all very sorry for what happened and we acknowledge that. It's really important that we have that in the, the forefront of our minds as we move forward. Um, it is that dark cloud. Yeah, we accept that uh, the ways of doing things back then, uh, there was a certain way of doing things, and that was, um, I guess, an ingrained way of doing things back then, but not acceptable now. I look around the service, remembering the youngest survivor registered with the inquiry reported being gang-bashed last year, as other students watched on, chanting, Wesley Way. I wonder whether change here is happening fast enough. And what would 17th century church reformer John Wesley have thought of young school students in Pairata chanting his name during a gang bashing? Wood says there is absolutely not a cultural violence at the school today. We're looking forward to a new way, you know, a new, the new Wesley, if you like to call it that, um, and moving forward from here. The service closes with one final hymn. Vocal harmonies roll in like a gentle wave seeping from the back row where the more confident senior students are seated. I wonder if any of the alleged perpetrators and survivors are among those singing in the room. Sekope tells me why being a community voice in the inquiry has been so important to him. Everyone heals in different ways, but part of my healing was actually talking about it. And I just encourage you all to start that conversation with someone. Seek the help that you need. Fresh-faced students today are entering a staunch brotherhood cause. one that is still trying to lift the dark cloud of its past. A new generation of students trying to forge a new Wesley way. <laughs>